0: Welcome to tune in the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm here with Michael Levine, the director of the newly released documentary Stripes Smatza and the American Dream. Michael is a New York-based filmmaker and founder of Rivington Pictures. He's directed, produced, filmed, and edited content for Showtime, Networks, A&E, the History Channel, HGTV, and a number of award-winning independent filmmakers. His first feature-length documentary, Losing Ground, screened at the U.S. Library of Congress and numerous other venues, and was featured at length in the New York Times. Michael comes from a family with deep roots in the Lower East Side and a passion for the neighborhood's history. Welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Delighted to have you here. So um, I read with uh, a little bit of interest that... um, Your adventure with Stripes, the story behind Stripes, began several years ago, I gather, when you stepped out of a nightclub onto Rivington Street and noticed some activity?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I had been passing by Stripes for years, not knowing it was there, and I had known Stripes from growing up, but I did not make the connection that it was in the neighborhood, and it just so happened that, yeah, I was at a a club across the street, um, and it was... uh, Probably you know several weeks before Passover at that time that's their busy baking season, they're going you know twenty four hours a day during the week um so you know even though it was at night um I all this all this activity going on there and i I still didn't know what was actually happening, but it definitely piqued my interest to stop by during the day and just kind of look inside and see what was going on and within a second, um you know a worker because this happens so often there uh pulled a hot matzah just right out of the oven, because the oven's come right almost out to the sidewalk, um, and handed it over his shoulder to me out the window. And, uh, you know, I guess he kind of saw the look on my face, uh, you know, that I was kind of astonished by what, what had just happened. So he invited me in to have a look, and you walk inside, and, uh, you know, you're just transported to, you know, 1930s Lower East Side. It's it's an unbelievable place. Um, and I knew pretty quickly that there was some sort of a story there, and I was interested to find out more.
0: Well, there, yeah, you mentioned that um, they're on the Lower East Side. There's a long history attached with Strait's factory being there. Yeah. Can you st- yeah, share a little bit about this and, and what compelled you to tell their story?
1: Sure. I mean, they're, um, you know, it's a fifth-generation family business that's been there. They've been in their current location uh, since 1925, um, they actually started, um, Aaron Streit, the founder of the company, uh, immigrated from Austria, um, around the turn of the century, and, uh, started baking matzah about three blocks away on Pitt Street. Um, that's another, we actually discovered for the first time, the family knew that he had been on Pitt Street, but we finally actually found the location where he'd baked and discovered that their original matzah oven, uh, is still intact, um, which was pretty incredible. Um, So that was part of the discovery of the film was actually the family learning more about their story as well. Um, But they've, you know, they've been a part of the neighborhood uh, for, you know, over 100 years. Um, So, yeah, they've got a pretty wonderful history there.
0: And it's a fifth generation, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. So the neighborhood is really, you know, a huge part of the Jewish American story. And Uh, you know, Straits obviously figures into that narrative. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like when they first set up shop there?
1: Well, I mean, it certainly made complete sense for them to be there more than anywhere else. I mean, yeah, it was was the the center of of American Jewish culture. And, and, I mean, there were, uh, I believe, actually, you know, at least three or four larger Monta companies located in the neighborhood and, you know, smaller bakeries, hand bakeries and things like that. Um, and every other kind of, um, you know, uh, shop catering to the, to the Jewish population. So it did, you know, it made absolute sense for them to be there amongst the, the push carts and all the, you know, the doings at the, the Lower East Side at that time. So, and obviously the neighborhood has changed quite a bit.
0: So. And um, you mentioned that there were other matzah factories, I think four mm-hmm. at the time in sort of the heyday. And yeah. this is the only one that's left And My understanding, and I've seen pictures, et cetera, and I've seen some of the trailer, is that they're still doing things, for lack of a better phrase, the old fashioned way. I mean, it it works. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I would say so. Yeah. They've, um, I mean, a lot of the machinery there, they may have done, you know, a few updates to it, but. You know the the ovens are uh, from the 1930s. There's a, a the the bundling machine. You know it's, it's it's from the 1920s. I think it's the, one of the original machines. The probably the newest piece of machinery they have in there is from you know the mid 60s maybe. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely has not changed much inside the factory and the factory is in four tenement buildings which is not the place that you would normally locate a factory today uh so yeah it's it definitely got a, a very early 20th century feel to it
0: did they have to retrofit the tenement building i mean
1: yeah, yeah i mean they essentially um there were even actually apparently gaps between the buildings that they had to fill in if you walk in the buildings uh, the 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 level of the floor changes it goes up and down because they they essentially busted out the walls between these four tenement buildings um, and, uh, you know, just turned it into one big factory. So it's completely, and they have to reinforce the floors and do all this stuff because the machinery is incredibly heavy, um, and that's something you would normally put in a residential building. Uh, So, yeah, it's been completely, but it's still the mata still goes through where there used to be windows. You can see, you know, you can see the architecture of the buildings within the building. It's really pretty amazing.
0: And, um, again, the pictures I've seen make the machinery look sort of like a Rube Goldberg contraption, the way it picks up these baskets, yeah, I mean, which are primitive, pick it up, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, everything is, everything is completely custom-designed for that building. So you have these conveyors that um, carry the matra, and also they move slow enough that they cool it before it gets packed. They go through all four floors of the building, just winding up and down stairs and around corners and through old windows and all this to, to get the masa from uh, from the oven to the packing line. Um, and yeah, I mean, all the machinery is just the most you know beautiful mechanical pieces of art you could you could imagine. It's pretty amazing.
0: And originally. People were able to come up. I mean, you were able to get a piece of matzah at the window, and I gather mm-hmm. people were able to go there and buy it, and that was pretty much how it was sold before they started selling it wholesale, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it started out, it was, well, they were they didn't have the full four buildings. They were just on the ground floor when they started, and they had their retail shop on the corner there. Um, and even when they got, you know, acquired the, the full buildings, you know, through the 40s, I think, they were... Mostly uh, you know primarily uh, if not at the retail shop they you know they had a few trucks that went around the neighborhood and things like that. it was probably sometime in the mid forties I think that they really started getting into national distribution but even up through the seventies and eighties their retail store while it wasn't a huge portion of their business was absolutely you know packed you see you know I have old uh you know film uh from the factory uh before Passover, you know, on Sunday mornings, and the entire family would come and, and work there um, at the factory, uh, and the line would be just outdoor around the corner. I don't know every you know all day.
0: Wow! So, so yeah. w- we all read with dismay that they are going to be leaving that location, but relocating. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what do you think this means? I mean, they're fifth generation. I know. Russ and Daughters is fourth generation. Who's left and, and what does all of this mean to the complexion of the area and the history? Yeah,
1: I mean, uh I can it's it's definitely it's been difficult. Uh, you know, the news of them leaving. I'm I'm you know, I know that they, they did it because they want to continue making mass and it's just gotten uh to be too much of a challenge for them to do it there. But it's it's definitely it's a loss to the neighborhood. Um and I think uh the last uh, kosher deli closed uh last year i believe i mean there's uh there's very there's you know there's you know cats and kosher but it's you know it's, it's part of the jewish heritage of the neighborhood so they've been around 130 years and Russian and daughters and a couple other places um but yeah i mean the neighborhood is, has changed a lot but Russian and daughters are doing great they've got a new you know they've mm-hmm. got a new cafe so they've actually expanded in the neighborhood so
0: but but we'll still be able to get the pink box, um, for Passover? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. They're <laughs> uh, yeah, they're working on their relocation now and, and I mean yeah, it's just um, you know, the aging machinery, um and also, you know, doing with uh cheaper competition from factories that uh, you know, are able to produce matzah in a more modern facility, uh was just it got to a point where it was taking too much of a toll and they they want to stay in business and they want to, you know, continue on for more generations. And so, you know, it was a move that they that they had to make and they're, they're doing it. And so the company is remaining in the family and still, the pig box will still be on the shelf. Great.
0: Yeah. And still continue to be the only family-owned matzo company in America. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes, that is not changing.
0: So uh, about the documentary. So when you started the project, what was the story you were hoping to tell? And did it change along the way? What was the experience
1: Yeah, yeah. Like? I mean, I didn't it's it's stuff going into making a documentary I think if you have too much of an idea of the story you're trying to tell you're going to be disappointed because it's probably the story you're gonna find and so I kind of I went in with as much as an open mind you know um, I think as, as anyone could uh, just understanding that this place clearly had a lot of history the neighborhood uh you know I've always wanted to do a film um, you know based around the, also the history of the lower east side uh, and so this is a great opportunity for that. Um and uh you know I I was just um I was just amazed by um just the stories of, of the the workers there and just the sense of just incredible sense of family between the workers, between the workers and the owners, the whole like there's just this extended sense of, of stripe family in this building that, you know, I mean a lot of the workers have been there thirty, forty years, their parents worked there so it's it's just a, an incredible place, and you know, sort of came together
0: that way. So well, we are thrilled that we're going to be screening Matza um, Strikes Matzah and the American Dream here at the Yiddish Book Center. We're screening it on Sunday, March twenty ninth, um, and so looking forward to it. And I wanted to thank you so much for visiting with us today, and also for the work that you've done to document and tell this really compelling story, and I think one that's deeply rooted in the American Jewish narrative. Um, and well, one quick last question. Um, yes. So if our listeners are not in the Amherst, Massachusetts area, to where they can come see the screening, um, where can people go to learn more about the film and find listings of screenings in their area?
1: They can go to our website, com. M-A-T-Z-O, uh, com and... Um, and yeah, there's, uh, we're going to be at ed festivals and also opening on uh, several screens in Florida and in Palm Springs in the next couple weeks. So um, yeah, we uh, hope to see you there. And thank you so much for, for screening the film and for having me here.
0: Oh, delighted. And I say, you know, it's just, who knew? It's a great story. Yeah. Um, so thanks again. You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Mass. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. Our producer is Sarah Bleichfeld. I'm Lisa Newman. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.